This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 43. To be great sports scientists, we got to be great coaches. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Scott Caulfield. Today with me, Dr. Greg Hoff, Associate Professor of Strength and Conditioning at Edith Cowan University, and by about 10 hours, past president of the NSCA Board of Directors. Greg, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Scott. It's a real pleasure to be on the podcast. It's one of the great initiatives of the NSCA for coaches and just learning about what we do. Appreciate it. And uh, you got to sleep in technically today, but uh, you were out here bright and early still with your uh, workout gear on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, for me, uh, I mean, I grew up, my father was a Marine, so 4.30 in the morning's, you know, normal. Yeah. Five o'clock is sleeping. <laughs> yep. <in>. yep. <laughs> That's great. And um, I like to kind of set up a few little icebreaker questions just to kind of make it a little more fun for everybody listening to. We're trying to change it up and keep everything fresh. But uh, how about, uh, why don't you start off and tell us, you know, what's your favorite kind of music to listen to when you're training? Um, I like stuff that's pretty hard. Uh, Lincoln Park, uh, Slipknot, Corn. Nice. Um, you know, nice. stuff that's really you know loud, hard, hard beat. Um, you know, for me, training is kind of cathartic in the sense that it's a place for me to go just be and think and focus on myself and and doing what I need to do. Yeah, that's great. How about uh, let's go? Let's take it way back. What was the first car that you ever had, drove? Uh, I had a Ford Mustang. Um, nice. I was a street racer actually <laughs> oh, wow. when I was in high school. <laughs> Did a lot of that. Not the smartest thing to do. Don't <laughs> recommend it for people. But it, it was a fun car to zip around a little bit. Nice. Okay. How about a uh, favorite movie? What's your favorite movie you've ever seen? Uh, oh, man, that's a tough one. I'm kind of a big movie guy, so I watch a lot of movies, probably because I'm stuck on airplanes flying from Australia yeah, all the right, time. Right. I've seen um, more than I, most of us have. <laughs> I kind of like military movies, and, you know, I, I really liked um, uh, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, 13 Hours. Yeah, that was a really good a one. I just like that team approach of people working together for a greater good, and yeah. that kind of resonates with me. Awesome. Um, the Miracle is another one that I just, you know, you want to see me get emotional, yeah. you know, watching yeah. that. I was alive when that, that happened and saw it live yeah. on television, but wow. teams for me are a big thing. Yeah, cool. Well, speaking of emotional, uh, last night, you know, you passed the gavel to Dr. Triplett and, the, the you know, Dr. Fry getting the award. Um, super you know i was getting emotional back there listening to everybody's speeches so uh, mm -hmm. but you know let's talk a little bit about your past few years as being president the nsca has made leaps and bounds in this time frame you know what are you most proud of in you know these these years as your presidency went on one thing when you start to look at a presidency it's kind of an interesting journey it's a self-exploration journey and for me one of the things that really guided me was that Working with Mike Stone when I was a grad student and Meg Stone as a strength coach under her, he really pushed us that to be great sports scientists, we got to be great coaches. So my roots are really in coaching, and I like being in the weight room. In fact, I never really wanted to be a sports scientist. I wanted to be a Division One strength coach yeah. and work with football. And I got excited about the science. And over the last three years, I just wanted to return to who we are. Um, that was my message to the board. Remember who we are. We are strength and conditioning coaches who want to know some science to do the best for our athletes. And if we could center ourselves on the mission statement of translating science to practical application, 
that's our unifying guiding principle that, you know, takes us where we want to go. And that was our starting point. And I think getting the board to remember that starting point, I think, was a really, really important thing. And that set the framework for everything else that we did. And as we looked at where the profession's going and, and where we as an organization want to take the profession for coaches, it really made us make some really interesting decisions. I mean, we announced the accreditation of schools. Yeah which I think is a game changer for the profession. I mean, several years ago, um, Tom Mislinski from the Jacksonville Jaguars is a good friend of mine and someone I really respect. And I had a long conversation about how this is necessary. And Tom's a pretty convincing guy. You know, you get a a conversation, he gets gets emotional and and he's a true strength coach. And and that resonated with me. And and so I posed it to the board, you know, what if we explore this? Is this something that we want to do? And after three years, we're like, yep, this is where we want to go. We had a lot of focus groups and a lot of work. So if I'm going to mark anything, that's going to be the one that, you know, that's the game changer. That's the, yeah. the big focus on strength coaches. Yeah. And tell, talk a little bit more about that. So the, this accreditation process is super cool. It's, it's going to be new and it's, it's going to really legitimize the profession more. But I guess tell, you know, for the listeners that may be confused or may not quite understand, talk a little bit more about what exactly that process means to them, you know, in the future. Okay, so for anybody who's got a CSCS now, um, it's not going to change anything, really. It's, it's You've got your, your certification, but what you have to remember is <laughs> do your research because yeah, once you lose it, you, it lapse, yeah. you don't let it lapse because <laughs> you're going to be in trouble after 2030. Yeah. So in 2030, the idea is that to sit for the CSCS exam, from that point forward, you're going to have to graduate from an accredited program at a university. And that program has to be in a strength and conditioning related field. So it's very similar to what NATA does with athletic trainers, but it's for strength coaches so that we can raise the, the standards of how strength coaches are prepared. You know, one of the things that we often get criticized for is that our hands-on skills aren't really there. And I would argue that that's not true, but we want to make those hands-on skills better because if you look globally around the world, the soft skills of actually coaching, actually knowing how to do exercises is fading. Yeah. Um, because of the online environments and the things where we're not actually in the weight room under the bar. Um, one of the things for me that's critical and all my grad students lift, they got to lift. If you got to be in the weight room, you got to feel the bar, you got to learn how it feels. And, you know, I learned that from Mike Stone. We had to train with him. And you, once you feel super compensation or excessive fatigue or even overtraining, you know how it feels and you know what to look for. So blending the feeling, the coaching, and the science is really what this is designed to do. And, you know, it's going to make it a challenge for people to become successful strength coaches, but that challenge is going to make them better. Right, right, right. No, that's huge because, um, well, part of the accreditation of these programs uh, typically is probably going to involve some sort of internship hours and stuff like that. that, That'll be standardized, right? So everybody... Uh, everyone, if they want a program to be accredited, that's what they're going to have to follow. Yep. They're going to have standard hours. It's going to have standard requirements. Um, and I think that's the one that's going to really make the difference. And, you know, if you think about it from an NCAA college environment, environment, uh, environment, excuse me, yeah. um, they need help in the weight room. They need interns. Yeah. So yeah. these interns are going to be there in a learning environment and it yeah. creates them a pathway in order to get the experience that they need yeah. and the head strength coaches and the strength staff can actually train the next generation right. in their methodology so i think yeah. it's a win for them as well they just have to figure out how to implement it and we've got you know 
10, 12 years now right. in order to get it finalized and yeah. get it working the way we want it. Right. Yeah, and I think that was the difference from when I first heard it because people asked. They said, well, I thought, it, I thought you always, you know, didn't you have to have a uh, exercise science degree before? And, and the answer was yes, but the difference is all these programs are now going to be held to the same standard. They're all going to have to meet that criteria. Well, also around the world, too, the because world. we've yeah. actually met with all of our affiliates, yeah. Japan, Shanghai, Italy, yeah. Spain, uh, Korea. They're going to have to raise to the standards, too. Yeah. So international people will be able to get the same qualification yeah. and be, we'll be able to be assured that they're the same. Yeah. And that's that's a game changer. That's huge. It's so exciting. So congrats on that. Um, you, you, again, are just getting, you know, done being the president. You've been involved at every different level that you could have possibly been in le uh, involved in the NSCA. Uh, how did you get involved? I think that that's always something interesting. And, you know, people love hearing about the different paths because there's so many, di e so many easy ways and different ways to be involved in the NSCA as volunteer. And then getting to become president is the ultimate, you know, honor. But talk about getting involved and how, how kind of you got involved with it. Well, I think I got to go back a little bit further than, than, <laughs> than how I actually got involved in NSCA because for me, you know, I was 11 years old and my father was like, uh, he's a Marine and he wanted me to be a Marine. That was the goal for me from, you know, probably the day I came out of the womb is I was going <laughs> to be a Marine. And I wasn't able to do that because I have um, a slight hearing impairment. So I can't, you know, be in the armed forces. But he was training me with weights at 11. And so I lifted pretty much five days a week since I was 11. Um, and when I was 18, I came home one night and I saw the 1987 Women's Weightlifting Championship. I'm like, hmm, that's pretty interesting stuff. Well, maybe I'd want to give that a try. So I started to try to teach myself how to Olympic weightlift. Nice. And um, I was a football player and a track athlete. And I went to East Stroudsburg University, which is a classic physical education school. Um, and I went there and I met a guy named Rich Fields, who was one of the track coaches. And he's like, you should give this weightlifting thing a try. And so I started to do a little bit of weightlifting and I, and I was blessed. I went to um, my first weightlifting competition in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I met Andy Fry by complete accident. Mm -hmm. wow. We were sitting next to each other and, and a famous weightlifter from the United States came out, Arn Kritzky, and I'm like, what am I doing here? Because he was like massive and, yeah. and just amazing and Olympian. And Andy Fry tapped me on the shoulder and we struck up a conversation. We became pretty good friends. And he just happened to be a grad student with Bill Kramer at, at Penn State at the time. And so he'd come over to East Stroudsburg to do some research with uh, a guy named Frank Pulo, who was a professor there, who happened to be the advisor for the powerlifting team and also an academic in the physical education program. And so Andy introduced me to him. The next thing I know, I'm sitting in a strength and conditioning class and he hands me Jasser. Mm -hmm. hands me Husker power <laughs> and he hands me an application for the NSCA. <laughs> nice. And so I joined the NSCA and I started reading the journal and I got really interested in being a strength coach. And that's really what I wanted to do. And Andy kind of, you know, a lot of people, I get pretty emotional about Andy because I wouldn't have been president if it wasn't for Andy Fry. And so he introduced me to Bill Kramer. He uh, introduced me to Mike Stone, Kyle Pierce, John Garham. I mean, the, the icons of science in our field. Yeah. Um, because I was a weightlifter too, I happened to be in, in a lot of the junior stuff that they were doing in weightlifting. And so the next thing I know, I ended up at, you know, Appalachian State with Mike Stone and the rest is kind of history. I just kind of started doing some stuff and, and he made us go to conferences and I used to go, but doc, you know, I don't have much money. I'm, I'm pretty broke. And he's like, doesn't matter. Use your credit card. And I'm like, doc, man, that's debt. Who wants debt? And he's like, 
it's an investment in your future. You'll pay it off later. You got to go network and you got to go meet people. And, and one thing that Mike Stone does exceptionally well with his grad students is he introduces you to everybody, anybody. Yeah. And he's proud of us. And he, yeah. he, he's, his students are so important to him. Yeah. And that's a lesson that I've learned and my students are, are getting the same benefit. So, you know, I started to do that and go to conferences. I went to the Phoenix conference in the 90s and was just blown away. I read Zatsiorski's book, the 1994 one, in one sitting in the venue, yeah. uh, waiting, waiting around. And it was an awesome experience. And I got my PhD at the University of Kansas. And, and then uh, Dan Wathen nominated me for the research committee. And then I just started serving the organization, doing reviews, writing articles, and just giving back to an organization that gave to me. That's awesome. Yeah. What do you what do you think are some of the key traits? You've been around so many of these people that volunteer and that, you know, are really legends in the in the NSDA. What are like the key traits of those types of people? Well it's interesting, you know, it's it's they all have similarities. They're all yeah. passionate. Yeah. They all work hard. I mean like really hard. But the one thing I noticed about the, the true icons is that it's not about acclaim it's not about awards it's it's about giving back and doing good work and being altruistic and um you know most of the icons they don't have twitter they don't have instagram they don't care about likes they care about doing good work and the one thing that i learned from from mike stone and also from you know bill kramer and andy fry and john garhammer and kyle pierce is do good work and everything else falls in line yeah yeah you work hard work smart um, and treat people well, you know, and, and, and if you do that, I think things come together. Um, and that's the important part. That's cool. No, it, it's very similar to what I would say about the people that I've been involved with in the organization as well. How about, um, you know, we talk about sports science. You guys have been doing sports science forever. It seems to be kind of a hot topic now all of a sudden. <laughs> what well, is it? And the thing that's interesting is it, it, my approach to sports science is a little bit different. I, I think of it as a relationship with coaches. So, you know, one of the things that I struggle with a little bit about being in Australia is I'm not able to go over to the collegiate strength coaches and hang out in the football weight room and, and ask them, you know, what's, what do you need? You know, what is the questions you guys have? What are your problems? And then when I have that opportunity, I go back to my office and I can think about the science that, okay, what can we do to help them? Yeah. And that's the kind of way I like to do sports science is my job is to solve problems. Yeah. And, you know, when I was at West Virginia University, I had a great opportunity to work with women's volleyball, which was a great experience for me, especially since my wife was an All-American volleyball player. And their strength uh, coach at the time was uh, Corey Twine. And he said, you know, we're having trouble. We're not, we're not getting where we want to be performance-wise. So what can we do? So we, we developed a performance monitoring battery where we tested them on their strength measures. Yeah. And then we gave them a report and said, okay, here's the things you really need to work on. Okay. And so he would go back and he'd modify their training program to do the things they need to do. Yeah. And when we did that, they went, I think it was 9-0 and for the first time ever wow. in their division. Yeah. And he was sold on sports science yeah. then because we were giving them information to make decisions. We weren't telling them what to do. Yeah. That, I hate when sports scientists do that. I, right, right. I don't have a right to march in and tell Coach Ken what to do yeah. or, yeah, or yeah. Tom Mislinski or Lauren Landau. Yeah. Those guys are icons. They yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah. What my job is to do is give them information so that they can make right. decisions. Right, right. How, uh, what kind of recommendations or suggestions would you have to somebody? So whether it, it was a coach who's wanting to get 
you know, help uh, from yeah. sports scientists or, and maybe on the other side too, from someone who's in more of a, you know, uh, research or scientific position trying to work with the coaches? What kind of two-way street do you have advice for those people? That's a great question. <laughs> I, I mean, I think coaches, you know, you know, don't think the sports scientists try, scientists trying to tell you how to do your job. Yeah. I, I think there are some out there that cross that line, and and they're not successful. Right. The really good ones don't do that, and so you got to strike up a conversation of mutual respect. And one of the things that I've done across my career, no matter what country I've been in, is I try to let them know I'm a coach too, yeah. and I still coach 20 hours a week every night. Um, I still coach weightlifting, yeah. um, and I'm in the gym, and and they need to know that. They also need to know I train. Yeah. So oftentimes my first step when I'm trying to get to know strength coaches are like, hey, you guys mind if I come train with you? Yeah. And yeah. We, we get our lift on together and then yeah. they start to say, wow, this guy, he can lift and right. he knows some stuff. And then we start to talk and, and, you know, talk about what can we do to help you? What can you do to help us? Yeah. And, you know, what do you need our students to know? Because yeah. a lot of times, you know, over in sports science or in physical education, we're out in our little ivory tower bubble. and. Yeah. So if we start preparing students better, we start having a conversation, and it's a slow process. You know, I can't just march my butt in there and go, I'm your sports scientist now. Right. Um, i got to earn their trust, and they've got to earn my trust as yeah. well. And when we do that, it can really work quite well. That's cool. What, um, and you guys have, you know, you're, you're taking students through your programs and the programs you've been in. Mm. What are some of the key things? Obviously, people have to apply. They don't just yeah. get in. What are, you, what are you looking for in uh, students you know, that you're going to potentially mentor to be the next generation of strength coaches and sports scientists? Well, this is going to sound funny. I'm not looking for the smartest guy or gal in the room. Um, I'm looking for people with passion and work ethic. But I tell you, you know, I've been doing this almost 20 years now. And you know when I know what I've got? When they come in the weight room with me and they work out with me for a little bit, about a week, I can pretty much tell what kind of person they are. Because when you fail in the weight room, how do you respond? Do you just quit and walk away? Do you dust yourself off and get up again? Um, For me, the weight room's always been a microcosm of life. Um, And it really reveals character. And it also builds character, but it reveals it. And so the grad students that I've had the most success with are the ones that are, they don't quit. Yeah. Like I had a, my, one, of my, one of my best grad students, a guy named Laurent Seitz, he's a French kid and he used to work out with me at 6 a.m. Didn't even, it wasn't even a question. He's like, I'll be there at six and we're squatting and doing stuff. And, you know, one day, you know, all of a sudden, you know, he blood shooting out of his nose. I'm like, yeah. dude, you want to stop? He's like, no, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. And he just wouldn't quit. And he ended up publishing 12 papers in PAP and he's an expert in PAP and he's got his doctorate and he's highly successful. And. But he had that work ethic and that never say die, never quit attitude. But it showed in the weight room, but it also showed in academics. Nice. That's great. Okay. So lifting has been, a, you know, a common theme here. And actually, I remember that when you took over as president, you, you know, you would give uh, Virginia a little bit of a hard time saying, hey, you know, we need time for the board of directors to get in here and train. Yeah. So, yeah, talk about, I mean you know, you've been involved in lifting so long, but, you know, why is that so important, you know, and, and still as the NSA board of director president, you are making sure to make time to train still, especially even at these kind of events. Well, yeah, I think, you know, my dad has been, he was really influential on me and, you know, and he had this mentality. I, I share a story with you and you'll see where I get it from. So he, he had cancer, uh, bone marrow cancer uh, from his service in the Marine Corps. Um, and he was in the VA hospital and doing not so great. And he's yelling at the doctor, I need to get to the weight room. I need to lift. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's, he was a stubborn dude who 
lifting was a big part of his life. And it was something that we did together when we were young, younger. And he, he and I enjoyed that. So it's been something I've done since I was 11. But for me, it's, it's, I find it fun. I find it challenging. I find it to be a place where I'm the most comfortable. Um, it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm actually a really shy guy and, and I'm, I'm kind of quiet and introspective, but you get me in a weight room and I just come alive and, you know, everything that's good in my life has come out of being around weights. I mean, I met my wife on the lifting team that I was on. Um, she's been my spotter ever since, yeah. you know, looks after me. Uh, Mike Stone who has been one of the most influential people on my life. Uh, he coached me as an Olympic weightlifter for many years. Um, met Leo Totten through weightlifting, uh, Andy Fry, you know, all my friends came from the sport of weightlifting and, and, and strength training and the iron game. And so for me, it's, 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 it's something I've always done and something I'll always do. Um, I still do it now. I mean, you guys always laugh. I come into the national office. I've just yeah. been on a 27 hour flight. And the first thing I want to do is get in the weight room and yeah. do some squats yeah. and stuff. So I think it's, it's something I just enjoy, yeah. but I also think as a sports scientist, it's, if coaches know I do that and I, and I can do it and I can teach it, that gives me a little bit more credibility. And one of the things I used to love, love doing when I was in the United States a little bit more than Australia, I don't have as much opportunity, is I could say, hey, you know, I'm coming over to strength facility. Do you mind if I do a little coaching today? Yeah. And most of the strength coaches, like, we have the relationship there. Yeah, no worries. Come on over. Hang out with us. You know, you know let's do some stuff. And so I always try to keep my coaching skills up. Yeah. <laughs> so... That's kind of an interesting thing for me, and um, it's just more about enjoyment, I think, and yeah. something yeah. that is what's driven me. I, it's what got me to where I am. Right. It's part of you. You'd be doing it no matter what, too. Yeah. No, I like what you said, though, about it, you know, being a, real, a great way to kind of, you know, start a conversation with somebody. If, if you didn't have that relationship, at least they know you train and, and that you coach. And you mentioned your wife a few times, and she is a strength and conditioning coach. You she know, is. you talked about that a lot. How's that help you? Oh, <laughs> uh, one of the things as sports scientists is that we often get stuck in the science. <laughs> and she's like my rock in the sense that I'll show her something we're doing in the lab and she'll just start laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, what's wrong, coach? And she's like, yeah, great in the lab. It ain't going to work in the real world. And <laughs> So she's often given me a lot of pointers about what happens, and she's a she's one of amazing strength coach. Um, she's just got a gift for communication, and that's the big thing. Coaching's communication, and she's able to get people to understand things. And I've learned so much from her. Um, in fact, a lot of my training theories have changed just from our conversations. You know, when we go on walks or we're at the beach down in in Australia because we live on the Indian Ocean, so we go out to the beach and we're walking on the beach and. Most people are talking about other things. We're talking about how to train people. Yeah. You know, how's the best way to get someone strong and, and effective? And, and we we really bounce ideas off each other. So yeah. that's been a cool thing for me. And she's she's a great woman who really understands strength and conditioning and uh, gets it. But it's really interesting. She has a degree in French literature. She, wow. <laughs> she's not trained in sports science in any way, but she just was an amazing athlete who had amazing coaches that taught her how to do the things right. That's cool. That's very cool. How about people who are interested in... in getting into sports science now is there is there a specific path that you would say or these three things that you must do you know what would you point people in because it could be experienced coaches who really you know are looking for the next step or maybe someone young that just knows that's what they want to get into well, i think if you're young the biggest thing is getting a good good program and one of the things in the united states is there isn't a lot of great purely sports science programs they're mostly exercise science yeah. and and you're going to have to do an undergrad degree in something, physical education, exercise science, or sports science. 
But really where it starts to really happen is at the master's level. Yeah. And one of the things I recommend people is choose mentors that are going to be, you know, the people that are going to guide you. And, you know, I, you heard it last night at the banquet. Every one of the icons talked about their mentors. Yeah. Um, and it was quite emotional because they, the, the love that a mentor and a student have for each other is quite special. Yeah. And uh, from that perspective, it's choosing the right fit because the mentor relationship is everything. I was lucky. I had an amazing mentor. So he really impacted me and, and guided me. And, and the nice thing is he's crazy weightlifter, too. He, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was funny the other day. He's out here in the exhibition hall, and he's, he's squatting, and he's yeah, giving me a hard time because yeah. I'm not working out right, with him. Right. right. I saw them both in here lifting both mornings. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it, that's the key is finding the right mentor. And, and students ask, well, how do I do that? Yeah. Go up and talk to him. Right. I haven't seen one of the icons in our, in our industry at NSCA turn a student away. Yeah. Um, and that's the amazing thing about the NSCA and the professionals here is they're so approachable. Yeah. Um, you're a student, walk up to him, say hello. Yeah, and that's been my uh, experience in SEA as well, was the people who just were super approachable, made me feel welcome, told me to come back again, yeah. remembered your name, you know, and I, I was just blown away because that, that's been my experience is, is the differentiator in what makes up the people of this organization. Well, you, you heard Andy Fry do an amazing talk when he accepted his speech last night talking about it's an us thing. And he... You know, he's an amazing guy that, you know, he'll talk shop with you all day. Yeah. Um, Mike Stone will do the same. Bill Kramer. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you're trying to escape these guys because they don't <laughs> want to stop talking to you. But for students, you know, go up, say hello. You know, the other thing is read research. Yeah. You find out what you're interested in, what you want to study. Now, for experienced strength coaches, there's other options. Um, like for us at Edith Cowan University, we partner with a lot of strength coaches that, for example, are at a school uh, as a coach and you want to do a research degree with us we can actually, you can be in your job um, and we can design research projects for a master's degree or a PhD that's around your job. Yeah. And so then you start to learn science and how to implement it in your job. And I think that's really kind of a special thing. That, and that's an Australian thing. So yeah, that's that's really a really cool. cool thing that we do. That's really game changer too for people that obviously, are, you know, at some point in your career, you're not going to be able to just stop going to school or going, working go to, yeah. and go to school. That's huge. Yeah. Where do you where do you kind of see uh, I mean this profession going You know I mean we, we're definitely getting taking a step forward with this accreditation stuff But w- what do you see in the next ten years as some exciting things happening Well the accreditation things the first thing I, I do think there's going to be more integration of sports science um, You know we've done some t- job task analysis in Australia and actually most of the sports scientists in Australia are actually strength and conditioning coaches something right. like ninety eight percent So sports science strength conditioning to me are the same Um, and and we've got to just continue to evolve the training of strength coaches not just the coaching side of things which I think is the most important side I'm not going to ever say that's not but also how we train strength coaches to not only read literature but understand research and almost as a strength coach I'm doing research on a daily basis because I'm trying to find answers to getting athletes better Um, but the problem that we run into right now is with social media there's a lot of noise out there Um, you know, people don't know what's legitimate, what's not. I mean, if you've got a blog, you can say pretty much anything you want. Right. And so one of the important things in the profession, I think, is the training. So if I learn about how to read science, how to interpret science, I can differentiate between noise and reality. Yeah. Um, and because everybody's trying to change, you know, change the game and come up with something novel that they can promote and sell. Right. And it gets confusing. Yeah. It's, it's a lot harder now than it was when I was younger. Right. Uh, when I was younger, you went and you worked with a master. 
and they taught you what to do and you learned from them and you asked questions and then you developed your philosophy under them and then you went off on your own and evolved into your own person. Now it's, you know, I want to find something out, go on Google, read about it and then there's a thousand different opinions and how do I know what actually works in the weight room? Right, right. No, that's definitely it's a good point that nothing is going to, no matter how technologically advanced we get, nothing is going to take play, take the part of that human interaction and that relationship stuff. Um, what's next? For you're me? You're done. You're done, President. You're a young guy. What, what's going to, what else you got to go? You got, you know, I know you got goals and you've. I, that's a great question. <laughs> it's um, it, it, there's, there's 14 of us that have gone through this. We were talking about this yesterday in the past president's meeting when I wasn't past president. <laughs> and it's a really weird experience to go from leading from the front and, and being on this team of people that are saying, let's move the profession forward to being somewhat on the sidelines. And, um, but the nice thing about the NSCA and, and something that I started to do as president is that I felt, you know, why waste, you know, 13 individuals' collective knowledge uh, from the industry. And so I actually used to meet with them on a regular basis to kind of, to help guide. And I think, you know, Dr. Triplett's going to do the same. Nice. Um, so you know, I'm going to be hanging out with those guys, which yeah. to be, to be honest, you know, I'm the youngest guy in the room yeah. and the knowledge in the room is ridiculous. Right. So I'm going to learn a lot by hanging out with them. But, you know, I've got a new project. I'm, I'm working on a new periodization book um, cool. and not being present is going to give me a lot of time to do that. Um, I'm ramping up my research again. I've got a amazing young um, sports science uh, scholar named Chrissy Kendall who's just joined my research group at Edith Cowan and and she's amazing and I think she's going to do some really cool stuff with me. Um, So we're going to be recruiting doctoral students, raising our research up again because I made a conscious decision to to sacrifice some of my own personal research and and academic goals to serve the NSCA. I wanted to I wanted to put 100% of my effort into being NSCA president because I felt it was really important to give the members what they were looking for. That's awesome. So writing books, going to still coach, yep. going to still lift. I've been toying with trying to get back in shape and go into the Masters World Championships. Nice. Um, we'll see how that rolls. Yeah. Well, I know before we know it, it'll be uh, the time to update the uh, Essentials text again. It oh, sneaks up on us the way time flies. <laughs> oh, HK's already talking about that. But they're smart <laughs> enough to, they, they know they want me to finish the periodization book yeah. first. So Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to that. How about, uh, how can people reach out to you and find you uh, if they don't already follow you on social or contact you? Well, I mean, I'm on Twitter with Doc Hoff is, is my, my Twitter handle. Um going to be cranking up Instagram soon. Uh, nice. uh, the NSCA social media director is giving me a hard time because I don't have Instagram. <laughs> um, but you can get me at Edith Cowan University, which is you know, g.hoff at ecu.edu.au cool. for now. Um, we're probably going to start up something um, more separate from my academic role. Cool. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes. But again, congrats on your presidency. It's been a pleasure working with you through the your time on the board of directors. And we look forward to your future endeavors for sure. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And, and Scott, it's been great working with you as well. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. We truly appreciate your support, and we wouldn't do this without you. So we are very appreciative. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go write us a review. Please subscribe so you get these episodes delivered to you every other week right on time. Go to NSCA.com and check out everything else that we have to offer. We've got a podcast download page. We've got tons of other content. So check us out there. And again, thank you for your support. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. 
The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.